announcement tonight at Firestarters. I'm going to be teaching on how to lay hands on the sick and pray for people. So if you're sick, if you have any injuries in particular, you can come to Firestarters tonight and uh, you will be prayed for. And Jesus is going to do something. He always does something. The Bible says these signs shall follow the pastors. Does it say that? No? These signs shall follow what? Those who believe. Jesus is a healer. Did you know that? He's Jehovah Rapha. He's still healing today. Signs, wonders, miracles, all kinds of things going on right here today. So we see a lot of that happen here in this church. And even when we were traveling this year, I tried to share with you some of the dramatic videos of, of healings that we saw and uh, real miracles, true stuff going on, all kinds of really great stuff. So if you are interested in uh, healing, which if you're part of Firestarters, it is happening tonight. And uh, if you don't know what Firestarters is, it's just a... Um, uh, it's a short sort of sampler uh, of the Holy Spirit, so where we walk you through. We've been talking about prophetic. Now we're going to move into healing. And then, uh, but tonight we will be praying for those who are sick and have injuries. So um, bring it, bring it, and let's go. So uh, attitude of gratitude, that's tonight at 4 o'clock. So I don't know, I'll just throw this out here again by way of announcement. Um, our meters are free until 3, so you know if you're like, dude, I've been praying to meter the whole time. Well, the meter is free until 3 o'clock. After three, you have to pay the meter, right? Say it with me. After three, pay the meter. All right, enough of that. So, okay, we're going to talk about being grateful, being thankful. And so Thanksgiving, I'm going to give you a little brief history of Thanksgiving and the first periods of Thanksgiving and when this actually started taking place, especially in this country. First recorded Thanksgiving is Pedro Avila landed in St. Augustine, Florida, and he was there in 1550, 1565, and he held a Thanksgiving service in honor of Jesus, and he invited the local tribes to attend. So the first recorded Thanksgiving service here in America was a revival service, okay? Our brother Pedro showed up on the scene, and he invited all the Indians, and they began to worship and give God glory. Uh, in 1619, the first settlers of the Virginia colony declared a feast day of Thanksgiving and worship to the Almighty God. In 1621, this is where the, all of the famous stories come from, uh, the uh, Puritans persecuted pilgrims from uh, Holland and all over Europe. They were driven out of Europe, and they, um, so they came, and they had survived the winter with the help of their Indian friends, right? And their Indian friends, and they survived the winter. And there's a lot of revisionist history on this, and they talk about, you know, how, you know, it was a cultural genocide or something like that. But the, Pur the, the Puritans held a feast in honor and, and worked with the Indians. And the Puritans, this is on record, they made treaties with the Indians and they honored the treaties for 100 years. Do you know that? They teach you that in school? No? Nobody knows that? They didn't teach you that? So that's a fact. They honored their treaties for 100 years. The Puritans did. It's a fact. Anyway, and so in um, uh, 1831, a woman, everybody say a woman, right? A woman. Her name is Sarah Josepha Hale, and she was a publisher and an editor. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a woman being a publisher and an editor in 1831? Yet, yeah, here we have it. And this woman convinced Abraham Lincoln to present a national day of Thanksgiving to heal the wounds of the nation related to the Civil War, in particular Gettysburg. You know, it was a great loss and a lot of bloodshed in the country. And so she offered thanksgiving and, and worship to the Lord in honor and to bring healing to the nation. And that's where we got our national holiday was from that. Um, so as Christians, we need to understand that thanksgiving, it's part of our culture. We're part of the kingdom culture. 
right? We're not part of the church culture. We're not part of the world culture. We're part of the kingdom culture. And the kingdom culture, which is the realm and the culture of heaven and the realm and the culture of our Father, is what we interact with. The part of that culture is thanksgiving. It's not only part of thanksgiving. It's deeply embedded and ingrained in this nation. No matter what they tell you, this nation, the first explorers, all of that, those guys were believers. They were Christians. So... Just to throw that out there, and the first one of the first, some of the first acts that ever took place in this nation were acts of thanksgiving and worship. So the holiday that you're, we're about to celebrate is a holiday, not just, oh, I'm so thankful for you, I'm so thankful for you, I'm thankful for the turkey, I'm thankful for this. Yeah, all that stuff's good, but it's actually thanksgiving unto the Lord. Hmm? And so it's important, especially we the people of God, we the sons and daughters, understand where we're to direct our hearts with thanksgiving this year unto the Lord, right? Are you with me? No, no, yeah, yeah, all right, come on. I like participation, all right? And so I'll get to read you a few verses here. First Thessalonians 5, it says, Rejoice always, say it with me, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. So I have three things here, rejoice. In other words, rejoice means, I don't have any joy, pastor. The joy is not in my heart. I don't have joy. The word rejoice means go find it. You don't have joy? Go find it. Go find it. It's there somewhere. Go back in time, you know, and find what God did for you and bring joy back into your life. There's no reason for us to not carry joy. We're carriers of joy. And when we don't have joy, the Bible says rejoice. Go find it. Has Jesus done anything for you at any time at all? Right? If you're born again, go back to that place where Jesus saved you and your life came alive. Celebrate from that place. So he says rejoice, he says pray, and then he says be thankful. Say it with me. Thankful in all things. Not thankful for all things. You got me? There's a big difference. You say I'm supposed to thank God when I lose my job? No, be thankful for, not for that, be thankful in that. Father, I thank you that that job is not my source. Father, I thank you that you are my provider. I thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh. I thank you that you are the one who opens the doors. I thank you that you have an open door for me and an opportunity for me. And that this is not my end. This is just a new beginning. That's thankful in all things. That's not thankful for all things. Thank you, Lord, for causing me to lose my job. Thank you for that, you know. Thank you that my car blew up on the way to church. You know, No, we're not thanking him for it. We're thanking him in it. Because thanksgiving, say with me, thanksgiving is an overcoming power. It's neglected. We don't understand it. We don't understand it. We, but thanksgiving is an overcoming power. It gives us an ability to overcome the circumstances. And it repositions us and shifts the atmospheres over our lives if we are willing there will always be something to be thankful for. You don't have to look. If you will look for it, you can find something. What we do and what we have to renew, and we have to, we have to say it with me. I need to stop. Oh, come on. I need to stop counting my blessings on my fingers and my problems on a calculator. This is typically what we do. We count our problems on a calculator. Nobody knows the trouble, you know, we count our problems. We all got problems. But you know what we got? 
We got Jesus. I have overcome the world. Amen? The bread is for who? Oh, yeah. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed begging for bread. He's going to take care of you. doesn't matter what the problems are. We have overcoming power. You say, but what if it died? You have resurrection power. Even if it dies, it can live. Even when you die in Christ, yet you will live. Your spirit is eternal. Man's spirit is eternal. The body is temporal. The body, this flesh, this outer garment, this tent, the Bible says, is passing away. But you see, life comes from God, and life had no beginning, and therefore life has no end. And so what God, man, even apart from Christ, he lives forever. He lives outside of God's kingdom, right? Dare we say it? He lives where the place where the angels will be sent, the fallen angels. He will go to hell. Man without Christ is condemned in his sin. Very blunt, very true. Man in Christ is redeemed and placed back into the Father's family, brought out of darkness into light, and is given a gift of eternal life. We have eternal life whether we want it or not. But the Bible doesn't use, the Bible says that the sinner has eternal death. Yeah? It tells us very clearly there's a second death. There's the death of the body and there's the death of the soul. Yeah. yeah. Be delivered from the second death. We have eternal life. We don't even experience a second life. We, when you get born again, that second life begins now. And so what happens to the believer is he just passes through a veil. That's all it is. You just, you're just, it's a transference. Your body goes, and to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. Immediately. Jesus said, if it, was so, if it wasn't so, I would have told you. If this wasn't true, I would have told you. But it is true. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. There are many Oranos. There are many realms. I go there now to prepare access for you, to open the way so that you can come, so that where I am, there you may also be. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. I'm looking at a room of immortals. You're immortal. <laughs> You're immortal. Has that ever dawned on you? You're going to live forever. You can't lose. You can't lose. In Christ, you win. Oh, come on. Somebody give me some help. Say, that's too good to be true. No, it's so good it is true. You have been given everlasting life. Peter said, I, Jesus told Peter, you cannot come with me now, but later you will. Where I go, Peter, you can't come now, but you will come afterwards. We should never fear death. We should never feel death, fear death. Death, where's your sting? Graves, where's your victory? God has called us as a church to raise up arrows. This is what the Lord has commanded his church to produce, sons and daughters. And the Bible says, like arrows in the hands of a skillful warrior, so are your sons and daughters. So what God wants the church to produce is he wants the church to produce arrows. Why? God takes your life and he fires it like an arrow, <laughs> slaying the enemy in front of you, walks up, pulls the arrow out of, that, out of that victory and launches it again into another place. Boom, down goes the devil. God comes and draws the arrow out of that devil boom, and fires it forward. The only way we can be arrows, the only way we can be useful in the hands of a skillful warrior is when we do not fear death. The church is commanded to raise arrows. And you know what we produce? Feathers. Feathers. Right? We produce arrows here. 
I understand that very well. So we're not looking to produce feathers. Woo, woo, we're tickling. Woo. So we do. Everything's a tickle, a tickle, a tickle. I was telling my wife, anytime I hear the language of the church, anytime a church uses the language of safety, I know that church is out of order with the kingdom of God. Safe for everyone. It's never been safe. The kingdom has never been safe. Only in America do we preach a message that is safe. I just come from an apostolic conference in Dallas. 26 nations represented them, mainly almost all of them from the persecuted world. Do you think they have a message of peace and safety? They're hunted like dogs, some of them. And they do not love their lives unto death. They stand the ground. They stand the ground. Not in America. It's going to be safe for the whole family. Give me safe. It's not safe. It's not safe. It's not safe. This kingdom is not safe. The culture's turning in a wrong direction. Christianity is becoming the outlier in this country. They're weaponizing laws against you. I'm going to say it again. They're weaponizing laws against you. You better grow and you better grow up. And you better learn and, become, and get out of the feather mentality and get into the warrior mentality. Oh, come on. I was telling my wife, we were at this conference, and I thought one of the most powerful things that I heard there was this, uh, this I, I didn't even know why I was going, but I, I was invited, so I went. And, um, and he talks about, and I won't get into all of it, but he talks about Leviticus. There were two trumpets in Leviticus. One was for war, and one was for worship. And his pastor was speaking, and he says, the problem that is going on right now is that the church is blowing a trumpet of worship in a time of war. And he said, there's a problem when, when we're worshiping and we're at war. We're at war. Now, war should have a worship component, and worship should have a war component. I understand that war, worship should cross over into warfare, but also worship, warfare should cross over into worship. There are two that are one. We're blowing trumpets and dancing in the streets while the culture is turning and the tide is turning, subversively turning. And if you don't know that, you need to pull your head out of the sand because this is what's going on. It's coming to a theater near you. It's in your schools right now. Right now, it's in your schools. Right now. They're turning it and turning it and turning it and turning it, stripping parental rights, stripping off. You can't. You, you, there was a street preacher shot in the head. Do you guys hear that story? Yeah. Most of you didn't. Do you know why? Because they don't report it. Guy shot in the head in Arizona. If that was a Muslim that was shot in the head, it would be all over the place. If that was any other religion, any other person that was blown in the head for preaching, the, for preaching their message, and it was shot in the head, oh, how violent, oh, this, oh, 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 yo, oh. You don't hear nothing about it. You don't hear anything about it. Right here in the grand old USA. And do you know what I heard from a lot of these apostolic leaders when they came to, to America? They said, we need America, and but we need a strong church in America. I must have heard that five or six times. They said, we need this country to have strong churches. And it says, what you are exporting, I've been saying this for 10 years, what you are exporting is weak. What you are exporting to the world is weak. And we need this country to be strong. And when they come here and they see and their, their expectation of what they thought we were is not that because of the weakness that we put, because we're feathers. It's all about tickling. Ooh, 
That's, that's the culture. That's the culture, Christian. That's the culture. That's the primary diet of our messages within this church, within our churches. Not this church. Not this church. It's all tickling. I was talking to an apostolic leader, and he says, what do you think the difference has been? I told him there's been a shift in about 30 years. He said, what's the difference? I said, well, we preach an inverted gospel. We preach a gospel that says it's about getting Jesus into your life. And that is the, the dominance of all of the messages. How to get Jesus into your life. The Bible does not teach that at all. The New Testament doesn't teach that at all. What the New Testament teaches is how to get your life into his. It's not about his life into yours. It is you into him. All of you into him. This is what the kingdom is about. And so when we, when we preach a Narsa gospel that's about Jesus coming into me, or not Jesus coming into you, but Jesus' Jesus's life coming into my life, you know, Jesus, get over here into my family. No, get your family into the life of Christ. Jesus, get over here into my business. No, get your business into the life of Christ. Jesus, get over here into my money. No, get your money into the life of Christ. That's the difference. It's, it's a very nuanceable change, you know, but it's very apparent. And that is a delusion, and it weakens us, and it makes us selfish and consumptious towards ourselves. And when that happens, we become weak because it's not about us. It's about him. Another story, another day. Somebody help me. <laughs> Say this, Lord Jesus. Come on, give me some fire. Lord Jesus, make me an arrow. Put me in your bow. Oh, come on, don't, don't you chicken out on me now. Put me in your bow and launch me forward. That's how the kingdom advances, right? Devil's down. Where are we going now? Next devil, next devil, next devil. But it requires a fearlessness of faith and those who love their lives not unto death. I don't care about anything. I care about Jesus. I don't care about anything. I care about the kingdom. I'm going to get my family into his kingdom. I'm going to get my purposes into his kingdom. I'm not going to get his kingdom into my family. I'm going to get my family into his kingdom. You say, what does that look like? That's the question, isn't it? <laughs> Holy Spirit, show me the way. Rely upon the Holy Spirit to lead us into that truth. Necessary, Christian. Necessary. We must rise. We must rise. We must rise. We must rise. If we don't, then our generation will be a sacrificial generation. Every generation is accountable for its time and existence. We are accountable for this hour. We are the watchmen of this hour. Understand that? You don't know what you are. You, don't know, you, know, I mean, you may not know what you're doing, but it is who you are. We don't know what it means to be a watchman. You're like, Lord, what does it mean to be a watchman? How, what, what does that mean? Okay, I'm willing to embrace that identity, but I have no idea what that means. I want to be an arrow, but I have no idea what that means. Well, it begins with determining I'm going to be an arrow, not a feather. Hmm? That's the first part. I will be an arrow for my king. I will not be a feather. I'm not going to be a feather. <laughs> Too much? Too much? <laughs> Come on. All right, back to Thanksgiving. The kingdom of God activates through obedience. Deuteronomy 28, it will, say it with me, it will come to pass. Say it with me, it will come to pass. And you know what the next word is? If. So we circle if. If. 
you will hearken to, you will truly obey the Lord your God and if you will carefully follow his commandments in all of, in all carefully follow all these commandments all of these blessings will can come upon you and overtake you the Lord will bless you in the city don't you want to be blessed in the city blessed you shall you be in the country blessed shall be your children God help us as blessed shall be your crops and your livestock the Lord will bless your harvest and the Lord will bless your food that you prepare the Lord will bless you. Sorry, I'm, I forgot my iPad, so I'm reading all this off my phone. Uh, the Lord will bless what you put your hand to. Aren't you glad? And the Lord will bless everything you do. Say this with me. He will command his, his blessing upon my storehouses and upon everything that I do. So the blessing is directly related to obedience. This is what the blessing is related to. So we all want the blessing of God, and thanksgiving is, is an act of obedience. So when we want the blessing of God, we must align with obedience to what he says. Now, this isn't just lining up with the logos parts of his word, but it's also lining up with the principled part of his kingdom. You have to line up with the principled part of his kingdom. Thanksgiving is a principle of the kingdom. Honor is a principle of the kingdom. Generosity and giving is a principled part of the kingdom. Forgiveness is a principled part of the kingdom. The blessing flows through the principles of the kingdom. Understand that? Are you with me? Yeah? I want to go further on that, but I won't. Activation and blessing is directly related to our willingness to align with the Lord. He's created a path for us to follow. And if we will follow this path, we will experience goodness in our lives. Isaiah says the same thing. Isaiah 55. Listen to me. The Lord is saying, listen to me. And you will delight in the riches of the, and you will eat what is good, and you will delight in the riches of the fair, of what is fair. Give ear to me and come to me that you may live. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways are your ways, says the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways greater than your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. So when you talk about Thanksgiving, you talk about gratitude, this isn't something that's natural to us. And you're like going, well, what does Thanksgiving and gratitude actually do? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Mayo Clinic did a study on the mental, on what happens to people when they practice and live a lifestyle of Thanksgiving. They actually had exercises for people who were struggling with mental health, and they did this whole thing, and they saw a 60% shift in the people that they, that they dealt with. They found that being thankful and having an attitude and a lifestyle of thanksgiving improves your brain and your physical health. Hello. Gratitude creates happiness. Thanksgiving lets you sleep better. Thanksgiving is the antidote to toxic emotions. And thanksgiving improves your relationships. Gratitude opens the door to people and opportunities. And gratitude, ready, watch this one, emotional maturity. So gratitude produces emotional maturity. How does that work? Well, it teaches you it's not about you. <laughs> We're thankful in all things. We're thankful for the people. Around. We find things that we are grateful for, and we practice this attitude of gratitude. And people think, well, that's why I read you that part. And it's like if you want the blessing of gratitude, you must obey the path of gratitude. If you want the blessing, and you say, that doesn't make any sense. That's where Isaiah comes in. I, it's not, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. Why don't you try something a little higher than you? We're, I don't know who I was having a conversation with this on, and I was just talking about him, and I said this, and my wife's like, wow, that's good. The devil deceived Adam with his own logic. Do you know that? Satan deceived Adam with his own logic. As soon as he got him out of a heavenly mindset and got him to think logically and earthly, he had him. He had him. 
Because Adam was no longer thinking in the mind of Christ and on earth as it is in heaven and not only were operating within the dimensions of what he was created for. He moved over into natural wisdom. And natural wisdom is where the deception is. Somebody needs to write that down because that's for you. You need to stop operating according to natural wisdom. You need to stop operating according to natural paths. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is destruction. Natural wisdom, right? The, the carnal mind is the enemy of God. What is that? Natural wisdom, right? It's we're, we're, we're deceived in everything. It seems, it seems like this is the right thing, but we listen to the Lord. I've learned this the hard way. I have learned this lesson the hard way. I will not make a decision until I hear from Jesus. I will not. I don't care if, what, what's going on. I'm going to hear from the Lord. You say, well, what if it takes you two weeks to hear from the Lord? Then it takes me two weeks to hear from the Lord. But we're not moving. I'm not doing anything. I'm not making that decision. I don't care what pressure's on me. I'm not making it until I hear from the Lord. Do you know why? Do you know why? And if you're, if you're humble, you'll admit it yourself. I've been deceived through natural wisdom. Has there anybody here been deceived through natural wisdom? Let's just be honest. Have you been deceived through your own thinking? Right? Something that seemed right. Oh, this looks like it's going to work. It didn't. You know? And that's how we relate to God a lot of times is based on circumstances. We think, oh, this circumstance lined up. That must be the Lord. No, not necessarily. You know? That, that shot-out atheist says, I'm pretty. It must, that must be my future husband. No, 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 no. Probably not. No. No. <laughs> Over 400 verses in the Bible that talk about gratitude and thanksgiving. 400 verses. 400 verses. Wow. That talk about gratitude. It is a way of the kingdom. Say this with me. The world is not always good. Oh, come on. Say it with me. The world is not always good, but Jesus is. The world is not always good, but Jesus is. We can be grateful in our circumstances because the Lord is good. One of the things that happened with Israel, they could not come into their promised land. Do you want anybody want to come into promises? Yeah. yeah. Do you want promises? Yeah. See, the difference is, is that we believe that God's power is active and present today. We believe that God wants to bless us, use us, transform us, and move us forward right here and now. We're not waiting for the sweet by and by. That's given. The kingdom will be here. But I believe that God's power is, the scripture clearly teaches this, that it's present and now. And that we can experience and move in the kingdom of God right now. Israel could not enter their promises. One of the reasons they couldn't enter their promises is that they were not thankful. They were not grateful. They couldn't enter their promises. They were not thankful. And one of the things is, is that their, their, uh, their character could not sustain the weight of destiny that was set before them. God had set before them a weight of destiny, but they did not have the character to enter in the weight of destiny that was set before them. And one of those reasons is that they were not thankful. They were not grateful. They all wanted to go back. As soon as it got hard, say it with me, it's not going to get easy. It may not be easy. Oh, it may not be easy. It may not be easy. But if God has set it before you, you can have it. And we give up at the first sign of thing. Again, go back to the feather thing. We want to run away. We want to go back to Egypt. We don't want to be grateful. We don't want to honor what God has set in front of us. We're not willing to press in. And they were not grateful for anything the Lord had done for them. They found no thanksgiving in anything God had done for them. He gave them manna from heaven, they complained. 
He gave them water from a rock, they complained. He leads them into a promised land, and he says, as far as you can see, I'm giving it to you. But you got to draw a sword. <gasps> Warrior, arrow, right? You're going to have to, I'm, I brought you out. You're saved. That was an act, divine act of grace. I brought you out of Egypt, passed you through the water. You're my people. I love you, and I'm with you. But if you want the promises, you better learn to draw the sword. You better learn to fight, because you're going to have to fight for what I'm giving you. I'll be with you, and the victory will be yours, and I will ensure it, but I will, you are going to have to fight. And as soon as they heard that, they're like, oh, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to Egypt. And they did not have the character that was capable of obtaining the weight that God set in front of them. And part of that character is thanksgiving. Romans 1 says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, human wisdom, foolish in their hearts, human wisdom, and their hearts became darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, human wisdom. I'm going to give you three ways real quick of how to do a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Say with me. Number one, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. We wake up, we glorify God, we give him thanks. We give Jesus thanks. And say it with me. I must open my mouth. Jesus knows I'm thankful in my heart. The Bible doesn't say that. It says open your mouth. Open your mouth, right? Here's Hebrews. Therefore, let us continually offer to the Lord the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks. It's hard sometimes to give thanks. Can I get a witness? Right? Because we're not thanking him for all things. We're thanking him in all things. I thank you, Lord, that these dark days are not my, be not my end. They're my beginning. It's a sacrifice. It hurts. Right? You got to drag yourself there. In the midst of our losses... We have to find a position to thank God from. Because what that does is it breaks the atmosphere over your life. Anybody been gratitude and everything starts changing? You ever been grateful? Right? When everybody's talking toxic and you start blessing people or you're like, you know, I'm just so grateful for you. Every time I see you when I come in on Sunday mornings, I just really am encouraged just by your presence. You know, the whole atmosphere starts to change. You know? And this is what happens even in our lives. When we thank God, the atmosphere over our lives, we choose to be grateful. Not just grateful, oh, thank you for giving me that. No, we're grateful for who he is. I'm grateful, Lord, that you found me. I was so lost. I was so broken. And I'm not where I need to be, but I'm much further than where I have been, Lord. And I give you thanks. And I give you thanks that everything that is going on in my life right now, I do this by faith, Father, not by feeling, by faith. I believe that you will work this out to my good because your word says so. I do this by faith, Lord, because your character and nature is good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from you in whom there is no shadow of turning. So I know, Lord, because this situation is neither good nor perfect, it is not from you. But I give you thanks that you will see me through it and you will prosper me through this time. That's Thanksgiving in. Understand? Opening your mouth. Say it. Say, I, don't, I can't talk like that. Start talking like that, and you'll start seeing you'll start talking like that. Father, I thank you. What do you thank me for? Um, I thank you because I know you. What do you know about me? I know that you are good. You know? You just start following the path and just let it happen. Let it happen. I had a, I was talking a couple weeks ago about... Um, just this new lesson the Lord had been teaching me, and it seems like a, such a basic lesson. 
But, you know, you know, we get up in the morning, we pray and all this other stuff. And I felt like the Lord was telling me, because I wanted to offer him first fruits. You know, we get up in the morning, we pray, and we get up in the morning, we pray. Most of our prayers are intercessions or supplications. We're either interceding for something or we're, so, we're, we're asking for supply. Those are good prayers. Or we're declaring something. Those are good prayers. But how many of them are intimate prayers, right? And so this is what the Lord was showing me. You know, Kevin, just give me the first fruits of your day. And so this has been my exercise for the last probably at least four months. And it's been a huge difference, not just praying and not just worshiping, but talking to him. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Father. The one who loves me more than all. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. My King and my glory forever. The one who lives, Lord of the everlasting. The one who came and died for me. Good morning, Holy Spirit. The one who abides with me and will never leave me. The one who leads me and will never lead me astray. Good morning. Good morning. Try it. Try it. Try it. Before you ask him for anything. At a time God wakes me up, I felt like the, I'm sleeping. I, used to, I was getting up pretty early and praying. And, you know, I was trying to do it consistently. And I was doing it consistently. But I wasn't doing it every day. And so one morning I was sleeping in. And my arm, at 6 o'clock in the morning, my arm went. I felt like my arm flipped, you know. Like Jesus is like, hey, man, get up. Get up, dude. I'm like, what? 6 o'clock. You know, and I felt like he was drawing me out. And I felt like I, felt like I was going to, I could sense that there was something that I'd been praying for. And I felt like that was kind of what I felt like he wanted to talk to me about. And so I go out into the backyard. You know, it's dark. You know, I'm leaning on a garbage can. I'm like, okay, Lord. You know, hey. And so, it's <laughs> true. And so, uh, and so as I start to talk to the Lord, you know, it's like all this glorious. I, I threw on my royal robe, put on my signet ring, and strode into God's presence. No, it wasn't like that at all. I grabbed the nearest pair of shorts, a pair of flip-flops, and a, probably a dirty T-shirt, walked outside and leaned on a garbage can. I was like, okay, Jesus, what do you want to tell me? And I felt like the Lord was um, telling me. He's like, you know, come on, man. It's like, you know the drill, Kevin. How about a little honor here? A little honor here, right? All the women can identify with this. Your husband wants a cookie. And you know what I'm talking about when I say he wants a cookie, right? Huh? Huh? You know what I'm talking about, ladies. And you're like, well, you just don't put your hand in the cookie and just grab it. You know, I need a little time here. I need a little, I need a little bonding. I need a little eye contact. I need a little love exchange here. I need some kind words and some tender words. And all the women said, okay, thank you. And it's the Lord. That intimacy part of you is part of his nature. Your father gave you that nature, that desire for intimacy. Men don't always possess that quality. That's why we need the woman. It's another story for another day. However, God was telling me, hey, man, I want some intimacy. So I just started honoring him. So the first thing is it's not about you. It's about him. Be grateful. Wake up in the morning. Be grateful. Be grateful. I don't know what to be grateful. Be grateful for anything. Just honor him for who he is. Be thankful for who he is. The Lord has revealed himself to you as the one true and living God. What an honor. Of all of the billions of people on the earth, you know him. If you've given your life to Christ, you are in him. And he has invited you to know him. That is beyond, beyond, beyond an honor. Honor him for who he is. Number two... This is the way that God was offered thanks. You give an offering. The Bible says, give an offering to show your gratitude to the Lord. Give him as you have promised him and keep your oaths and vows. Psalm verse 50, verse 14. One of the ways we honor God and one of the ways we tell God who he is is through offerings. 
We declare he's Lord of our finances. We declare he's Lord of our future. This is what we do. It's a declaration. It's a declaration of faith. That's really what it is. We're doing a building fund here. Some of you need to believe God. You need to go all in. And you say, I want to be an arrow. I want to be a part of this. I don't want to be an observer of this. I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be part of something great. I want to see something happen. You know, you need to pray, pray and ask the Lord what he would have you to do. What do you have you to do? Another story, another day. Third thing is serve him. Let us serve the Lord with our hearts full of thankfulness. Two of these things are directly related to basic discipleship. Basic discipleship is financially give. That's basic discipleship. If you don't understand financial giving in this kingdom, you're not even in, you're still in, you're not, I didn't even say you're in kindergarten. You're probably, you're still learning your primary colors. Financial giving is part of this kingdom. Gratitude is part of this kingdom. Servitude is part of this kingdom. Serve him with a thankful heart. Commit and connect to church and serve. Two of these ways are directly connected to our discipleship and how we grow, right? When we give, we grow. When we're thankful, we grow. When we bless him, we grow. And we serve him. So here's it, and I'm going to close, right? This is some exercise. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of, little bit of homework. Say, dude, it's Thanksgiving week. I don't do homework. Well, this is good. This is good. It's going to help you, right? I want you, to, I want you to give five things. I want you to five, five, five. Five things about the Lord that you're going to be grateful for. Five things, and you're going to be grateful, and you're going to open your mouth, and you're going to give him grief, and you're going to give him praise. Five things about him, his nature and his character. Then I want you to do five, well, I'll do another five. We'll do five things for what, for, first of all, it's his nature. Second of all, what he has done for you or what he is going to do. What he has done, what he is doing, or what he is going to do. That's, that's faith. We thank him for what he's done. We thank him for what he's doing. And we thank him by, for what he is going to do. Five things. Then I want you to find five people in your world. And I want you to tell them something and tell them, verbalize it, and tell them I'm grateful for you. You're my friend. Right. Look at your wives. That's a winner right there. Right off the rip, guys. Right off the rip. There might be some cookies going being exchanged here in the house if you tell that woman thank you. You know, I'm grateful for you. Oh, come on. That's funny. Right? I thought it was. <laughs> I'm grateful for you. I bless you. You know, find something. Be grateful there. Find five people. And then find five things about yourself. Five fine things about yourself. We're really hard on ourselves. Kevin, I'm grateful that you love the Lord. I am honored to know in your heart that you love the Lord. Bless yourself. We can't love others if we don't love ourselves. Is that not what the scripture says? And we can't love ourselves unless we know the Lord loves us. We can't even accept ourselves unless we know we're accepted by the Lord. We have to know that we're loved and accepted by the Lord. You're like, I don't know, man. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just, just, just do it. Say, if I want what I've always had, if I want what I've never had, I must do what I've never done. If you want something different, you've got to do something different. Hmm? Some of you have been in church for a long time and you don't participate in the things of God. I'm giving you supernatural keys and supernatural activation points that if you'll just put them and plug them in, you're going to see a difference. You, if you begin and develop a lifestyle of thanksgiving, you will see a difference. You will begin to see a difference every day. Do it. Say, I can't do it every day. Can you do it three days? Can we get three out of seven, right? Can we get two? Can we do some of it? And then lastly, this is Corinthians, and we're going to take communion. 
Communion is actually an act of thanksgiving. Did you know that? It's in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. Is this not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ? Is this not the bread that we break, a participation also in the body of Christ? And so when we take communion together, that is an act of thanksgiving. Isn't that beautiful? You see how deeply ingrained thanksgiving is in this kingdom? It's a power. You know, the atmosphere, when you think about what works against us and how it's always that the force that works against us is always to get us to look at our problems, to feel about ourselves, and it's always to get us to do that. And God's process, his path through this darkness, because this is a world of darkness, we are the redeemed of the Lord, right? We are the light in the darkness. So we are light, but there's darkness all around us. And so the atmosphere around us oftentimes is dark. And the way that the, we come through the darkness is by following the paths that God lays out. And gratitude, thanksgiving is an attitude, and it is something that changes the world around us. And it will shift your atmosphere. It will shift my atmosphere. Lord, I thank you that I look like I was going down. I thank you that you made a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God will always provide a way of escape. He's always got a way out. He's got a way out, up, and through. He always. He's the way maker. He makes ways in the wilderness. Come on. He gives rivers in the desert. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to take communion. So Jody's here, so we're going to, she's going to, um, we're going to play, pray, play, 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 pray. We're going to do both of those. She's going to play. We're going to pray. And as she plays, just, um, just go up and grab the communion element, bring it back to your chair with you, and we're going to take it together because we are family. That's right. Who's singing that? Oh, there we go. Come on. There we go. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Grazie. Ancient call, the ancients called it the cup of blessing. <laughs> cup of blessing. Jesus giving all for you in order to bless you. You were created by him to know him, to live in him, and to be blessed by him. And how many knows anything or anyone that Jesus blesses? That's a good thing. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus had a dinner party. 
he knew he was going to die. He wasn't taken by surprise. He's like, I want to celebrate this because this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day of days. This is the day from the foundation of the earth that it has been ordained for me to give my life away. And he said, I will rejoice and be glad in it. And he gave a cup, a common cup, to the disciples. And he said, this is the cup of a new covenant. Born not in rams and bulls and goats and offset sacrifices. Born not in the blood of Adam, our sinful ancestor. But born in the blood of Jesus. Born not of the earth, but born of heaven. Let's hold it up. Say, Father, we are grateful for the sacrifice of Jesus. I receive a token and a memorial of the blood of heaven that sets me apart from the blood of the earth. I am not born of this world. I am born of your world. And I am grateful, Jesus, for the blood that you have given for me. And I receive this. And I give it to you as a token of thanks. In Jesus' name, let's take it together. Just hold it up. Say, this represents. Come on, give me something. Remember, open your mouth, Christian. This represents the body of Jesus that was given for me. Thank you, Lord, for your body, for carrying for me what I could not carry, for doing for me what I could not do for myself. I honor you, Lord, and I give you thanks. I receive this, and I give you gratitude in Jesus' name. Let's take it together. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me bless you. And we can clap. We'll have a prayer team available if you need prayer. There'll be prayer along this wall. Someone will be there to pray for you. We have fire starters tonight, uh, 4 o'clock, and you're welcome to attend. Let me bless you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way. And may he give you peace. And may you forever live within his favor in Jesus' name. Amen. God loves you. We love you. Have a great week.